and welcome to your favorite hour of fun. Every single week, it's under the radar. Part of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Network show. Ah, the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. <laughs> we get too much stuff going on. It's, <laughs> it's football season. With me as always, your friend of mine, Ian Khan. The only thing I care about is baseball. My friend and yours. I love that you just set a new company record for earliest edit point in a podcast of all time. Don't edit it. Let it go, DVO. Yeah, it's got to (laughs) play. It's too good. Light editing on the show. An occasional beep comes out. I enjoyed the beep last week. That was a... DVR gets annoyed, so sometimes he'll make the beep extra loud. I think he beeped Nando last week. It's pretty good beep. Aggressive beeping. It was. It had a little bit more tone. It was a little longer. As far Look, as man, I, I edit. Uh, it's easy to put a beep in there. The key is to getting the beep the right length so you can just throw it in every time. That's true because sometimes <laughs> the beep is not long enough and you can still hear the word even though you tried to That's beep. right because this was a long beep and I remember the, the word was sort of a pop, but it, the beep had, a, had, had, some, had some depth to it. I was impressed. On today's show. Let's get come on. Let's get to base. Stick to baseball, Ian. Mm. Uh, White Sox are going to be taking a few days off thanks to the Cardinals, and then uh, Cleveland. What's their level of suck? Maybe we'll do a scale of one to ten. Uh, poor Jose Iglesias having a season, but derailed by a quad. So maybe we'll bring in some Hanser Alberto. Uh, Kyle Tucker getting a lot of playing time. A lot of playing time. Um, we just got a lot to talk about. Looks like Ian threw in just Matheny. So we'll see what that's all about. <laughs> I've been mad at Mike Matheny for years and sort of saying I think he's a punk as a, as a manager. And now I have my reason. So when we get there, like I saw something this week and I went, that's why I don't like him. Oh, see, I thought that, you were going to flip it the other that. way because he went to scout school and you know, did put in the work. Mm, yeah, no, 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 no. All right. I, well, when we get to it, there is something that he did this week that I saw him do that is going to explain why I am not a fan of Mike Matheny. And I do not think that he is long term going to be successful anywhere. I'm going to guess Roman numeral nine DVR dropped in there. The Monte Harrison paragraph. Ooh. Look at those stats. No, I'm not saying it mockingly. I'm saying there's a lot of good stuff in there. Whereas Ian just yeah. writes Matheny and also breaks up the Kyle Tucker, Abraham Toro follow-up. It's weird they put it in the middle of those two. Uh, see what I did? Uh, see what you did? Uh, that's not good. Sorry uh, about that. <laughs> DVR takes out like a thoughtful number nine there and drops Clint <laughs> Frazier to 10. I was just like, well, I just want to make sure I get it in. Yeah. I got my little. I just want to make sure I get it in. And also, this dynasty trade time. We got something to talk about with that. So, big show today. Plus, new sponsor, which means we're still doing okay in terms of likability. So, that's always nice. Yeah. And plus, we got an Ian unboxing. Uh, he yes. Received, he received a package from me two days ago and didn't acknowledge it until I asked him about it before the show. That the the reason is, and I, I, I you know, I, again, I, I take full responsibility. It's my bad. Um, I didn't want to open it until we were on the show. I'm so excited, so I wanted to open it on the show. So what I've done is I've opened just the. T- Should we do it now? I mean, is do we do it now or save it to the end? Save it to the end. Save it to the uh, end. We'll save it. To, we could save it. Save right. it to the end. Okay, we'll yeah. save it to the end. It's sitting here. I'm excited and I'm grateful. Whatever it is. Let's get into the Yankees. Let's let's lead with the Yankees. We're going to start with number ten. Um, Clint Frazier looks like. He's going to take over for Giancarlo Stanton, maybe, to a degree, somewhat. He could be splitting time with Mike Ford as a nice platoon at DH. Uh, Mike Taukman in the mix as well. But, uh, Ian, since you're a humongous homer, and you hate Clint Frazier, even though you should love him. I I like him more now because of his ability to um, 
his ability to wear a mask. But yes, continue. Yes, sir. Well, he's, well, he's available in 86% of CBS leagues. Um, and Mike Ford's available in like 97% of CBS leagues. How do you play this? Because now, I mean, Aaron Judge mysteriously sat out yesterday. And he know, didn't sit out. He left in like the sixth. And I was yeah. trying to figure out or like the fifth. I couldn't understand what that was about. There's speculation that he might be hurt, but then people are saying, well, you know, he's hanging out and leaning over the railing, so maybe he's not. Maybe they just wanted to give him a, a breather. That's what Aaron Boone said. Okay. Does this make you like, so I was thinking like 23% of a budget to 25% of a budget for Clint Frazier if he's available in your league. Is that too low at this point now? That is too high at this point right now. Oh, you just hate the guy. You don't like him though. No, all right. I'll let DVR make the make the other side of the call. But for me, what you just described was a shared DH situation. By the way, Mike Talkman, he he's gonna get more playing time in the outfield because he's pretty good out there. Uh, so you're really looking if you're Ford's doing great. So if you're gonna split that time up, Ford's gonna get the the larger side of that platoon. So you know, I I don't see. I think Frazier's easier to get than that. I just wouldn't spend that much. How much would you say so you got? $86 left out of 100 Are you talking like a $4 bid? Six. Yeah, something like that. But I, I probably wouldn't pick him up. I mean, I still wouldn't pick him up. I, I, I would probably rather pick up Mike Ford, who you've been who you've been touting for at least a year, since over a year since we've been doing the show because yeah. we went to Princeton. I like Mike you Ford. love him. Uh, it had nothing to do with Princeton. That was just a fun fact. Right. But, he, I mean, he hit a home run the other day that just went very far. He just looks like a really good hitter. Mike Ford. Well, he is. He's got great numbers. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah, he's really good. So I would, if, if both of those guys are on the wire, I would pick up Ford before I would pick up Frazier. At least that's just me. DVR, would you be a little more aggressive on uh, Clint Frazier? I mean, Clint Frazier to me seems like that Yankee who, you know, the legend and he'll, he'll Kevin Maz his numbers, you know, like just have this crazy hit streak and just get hot and just bang out like seven homers in 10 games. Uh, so DVR, I mean, feel free to correct me on that if you don't feel the same way. I'm kind of in that four to six dollar range because I think he does probably fall more into the small side of platoon. Like if Judge is forced to miss time and they're already without Stanton, I think it's Gardner, Hicks, and Talkman in the outfield most days. And both Gardner and Talkman, of course, are lefties. Hicks switch hits. The DH spot would be probably the Ford and Frazier combo. They work perfectly as a platoon, and it takes the unknowns of Clint Frazier's defense completely out of the equation. So. Uh, mostly it's just because I don't see him playing more than a couple times per week. That's where I'm looking at him as kind of a limited value guy in mixed leagues, even though these two injuries would open the door for him to at least have a spot on the roster again and to have a chance to contribute a little bit. I think you guys are crazy. I think this is going to be the start of the Clint Frazier roadshow for the next six <laughs> weeks. Hey, listen, and if it is the start of the Clint Frazier roadshow, and I've laughed at you before. Um, and you proved me wrong. So, but if it is the start of the Clint Frazier Rocho and you get him on on the wire, there's a lot of upside to win in your league there. I mean, because Frazier's a good hitter. There's just no doubt about that. I just don't know. I think Ford is going to hold that spot. Stanton is out. Ugh, man, come on. The kid, it's like he's cursed almost, isn't it? What is that about, guys? I mean, how is he always hurt? He's the DH, and he. Like, they, they're not letting him play the field, so he doesn't get hurt. And then he gets hurt. Wah! I think the thing that bothers me with all of this is that it is a mix of, like, the soft tissue recurring problems, the legs especially, he's had oblique trouble, and he's had bad luck on top of that over the years. So you look at those two things combined, and it takes a guy who's definitely high risk for injury, and it makes him seem even more risky than he really is. 
it's frustrating because I think he's showing us he can still hit. Oh, man. Beautifully. I mean, he, beginning of the season was phenomenal. Jimmy Rollins once said, Cavs are tricky cats. I'll never forget that quote. And that's like, I know they're calling it a hamstring, but I think it's tied to the calf. It took him so long to come back from the calf. <laughs> those injuries suck, those soft tissue things. And I, I think the other question here is, are we sure that Miguel and Duhar doesn't play over Frazier? Is he not a better hitter based on what we saw two years ago? Here's the problem with with Andujar. Basically, he was in left field right before they sent him down. And I'm watching him, right? Because all I want is Andujar to get five starts in the outfield just for my AL Labor team so I can take him out of the utility spot, put Shohei Otani into my utility spot, and be able to move Andujar into one of the outfield spots. All I want. Are you still... You were still, like, very much into Shohei Otani? There's no... We're not worried there that he's... Hurt? Oh, he's Shohei Otani is the is is a is is a dominant hitter. He is going to be a valued player in 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 fantasy this year. The fact that he's not going to pitch, he's going to play seven days a week as the uh, as the designated hitter. He's going to hit. He's going to run. But he's hurt for power, right? No, he's dude. He stole a base last night. He stole a base last night by five feet. Five feet. I went back and watched it because I love to watch the guy run. He's amazing. If he were just a hitter and not a pitcher, he'd be a more valuable fantasy player at this point. By the way, we have access to uh, Sport Radar's Radar 360 now. And I was playing with it yesterday, just messing around. I can look up a bunch of cool Shohei Otani stats if you'd like. Well, you guys. Well, you guys are talking. Let me let me just finish about Enduar. I didn't mean right now. Like it's taking. I gotta punch things in and sort. I just met in the background. Just the, just the thing about <sighs> spokes of cushion right before the right before we started. <sighs> anyway, Enduar is in left field. Enduar is in left field and basically just lets a ball just roll by him, and that was it. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's his last play in the outfield. Like he's he just can't do it, and and they lost the game kind of because of that play, and I just went, I was like, he's he's not going to get eligibility out there because they're not going to trust him. So you know, with Andujar or Frazier, I think Frazier is a bit of a butcher in the outfield myself, but Andujar, God bless him, he's a third baseman or a DH, and you put him on the Detroit Tigers, he'll be their second best player, but or third best player, but on the New York Yankees, there's just not a spot for him right now, so. We'll see if there's a fit. Maybe trade Matthew Boyd for Andujar plus. DVR, do you agree with me on the Shohei Otani as just a pure hitter in fantasy, being a, a top 25 hitter the rest of the way? Yeah, because if he's not pitching, he's not really getting days off as a hitter. He's too good for that. And I think he's got a little swing and miss. We've seen that but he's throughout hurt. his time in the big leagues. He's playing, though. He's not I mean, He's hurt, playing now, but, he, but I mean, like until he has that weird swing. I don't. He doesn't throw though. He plays he's the DH, right? He so it's not bat. like he's going to aggravate. Yeah, that. but he did that last year. He was recovering from TJ surgery. Yeah, this is just a, yeah, but he was. You, you know, know what I mean? Yeah, but back then he was recovering. Then he's hurt now, right? I, I don't know. I, mean, I could be wrong. I mean, you know, I might be wrong. I'm probably wrong. I, I just think, and actually, I think that this this makes him. Go ahead, DVR. You were saying. Look at him as a hitter in the big leagues, though. It's been a little less than a thousand plate appearances. Eight hundred and forty-six plate appearances. Forty-four yeah. homers. Twenty-four steals. He's hitting two eighty-two. The 348 OBP and he's slugging 532. It's a 135 WRC plus. How many players do you think have been better than that since 2018? Guys that play nearly every day. I would say 15 guys. Yeah, that's probably a good ballpark. I'll I'll leaderboard it and see if there's a maybe maybe 20, a, a but but more. I think he could be a top 25 player rest of the way. Yeah, 
because he has power, he has speed, and he hits for average. I mean, he does he does everything, and he's in the heart of that order too. And so. a great, and that's a really good bat. That's a really good order right now because Rendon is heating up. Trout is Trout, Daddy Trout, Crazy Trout, um, Fletcher. I just love David Fletcher, man. I just think he's just a great ball player. Lestella's for real. Uh, Upton is just not for real anymore. But I really do like that lineup. Goodwin and Joe Adele. I mean, we're going to talk about Monty Harrison a little bit later on. The rookies who are struggling. Adele is struggling. I mean, he is just not, you know, he's he, he. it's a good time to buy Joe Adele if you want in a dynasty league. Is it? Oh, in a dynasty league. How about a single season league? It's, if you want him, yeah, you can go get him. If you want him, yeah, of course. But I mean, do people want him? Should they no. want him? No. I mean, you don't think he's going to write the ship? You think Mike Trout's like, Joe, try this. Come here. Let me, come here. Let me take you <laughs> under my wing. Yeah, I'm sure that Pujols is doing I'm sure they're all going to do that. I think it's complicated a little bit. I think what they're going to need is they're going to need Upton or Goodwin or Trout, unfortunately, to go down with an injury. Um, because if that happens, because I think what's happening now is the Angels want to win. Everybody wants to win because everyone wants to make the playoffs and everyone wants to try to win the World Series, right? Because it's going to count. It's going to mean something. And with Brian Goodwin hot, a really good player, Dylan Bundy, by the way, geez, Louise, my goodness. But with Brian Goodwin in the outfield and Upton in the outfield, you, you know, Adele's not going to play every day. It's not like he's showing up again for the Detroit, Detroit Tigers where it doesn't matter. So just throw him out there. Very different. Shohei Otani has zero walk-off hits this season. <laughs> <laughs> he has 7.9% of his team's hits, 1.9% of his team's strikeouts, and 11.6% of his team's RBI. I want to give you an under-the-radar player while, while we're, we're going we're we're to have some. This is going to be fun. Jake Arrieta. I just want to say, I'm not saying, like, go spend on him, go go make it happen. But there's something to me that thinks that Jake Arrieta might be able to turn things around, might, might continue what he's doing this year. It might be a sneaky little player. Like John Lester. I like these older guys who kind of uh, coming back for the last hurrah. I, it's just something in me. It wasn't an age thing for me or, like, you know, it was, he was hurt. And I don't think he had surgery, right? He, he. When a guy doesn't have surgery and he rehabs, that becomes a major red flag for me, and I worry, and I tend to stay away from them. And I'm pretty sure Arietta elbow or shoulder and rehabbed instead of surgery. But where's DVR? Do you know where Arietta's velocity is at this season? Is that is that what accounts for it? Is his velocity back up? He's kind of in his late career norm. I think ninety two point two. Is what he's getting on the fastball right now. He was at 92.5 last year, 93 in 2018, 92.1 in his last year with the Cubs. And like at his peak, he was more like 93, 94. So he's down about a, a tick or two compared to peak Arietta. I'm curious, DVR, what do you account for Arietta's early success? It's just small sample size and getting lucky. Um, because I want to ask about him, and I also want to ask about Aaron Nola, who just looks like you know, the young ace that we we're looking at in 2018 and that everybody was buying in 2019 everyone was sort of soft on largely in 2020. Yeah, I think with Arietta, it's just limited work, right? We're talking about 11 innings so far. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty pretty small. Um, you look at some of the underlying numbers. I'm looking at StatCast right now trying to find something. like Average exit velocity is actually up, so that's not a good sign. Average home run distance is 410.9, which is a career high. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Uh, I gotta close you, you this down. Information. Oh, I'm just doing. Yeah, I'm, you better shut I'm that being down. DVR, man. I'm like, you know. Yeah, but you don't. You you don't. You're not as quick at at it. DVR, like I could just say, "Yo, Jake Arrieta." It's like, boom. Well, his his fastball rate is that. But okay, so Arietta we're just gonna call small sample size. Okay, that's fine. But worth a flyer on the waiver wire for me. 
Um, even just to throw on your bench for a week or two to see if it continues. And if it doesn't, then you throw them. You know, you throw them back. What are you missing in that meantime? You know, like, what do you, what do you, what's the opportunity cost of Jake Arrieta? On your bench? It's like a Tyler Chatwood or an Alec Mills, right? It's like a Homer Bailey or the John Lester. Yeah. Like, those are the guys who you're throwing at the at the tail end of your bench, and, you know, you're sort of seeing how it's going to pan out and whether you can get some good weeks and good matchups and stuff. That's fair. That's that's all. I'm, that's It's an under-the-radar—Jake Arrieta is an under-the-radar offer. You know, it's an under-the-radar situation. But then, why is Aaron Nola so good right now? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I just think Arietta's streamable. Like, he's got the mm-hmm. Orioles at home tomorrow. Like, I would use him for that. He's at Boston next week. I probably would reserve him for that start, even though the Red Sox have a bunch of guys that are struggling— like, Rafael Devers is going to wake up. He's going to be fine. I know that lineup's not the same without Mookie, but I think Arietta in favorable matchups is perfectly fine. In tough matchups, he's a guy you got to be a little bit careful with. Yeah, agreed. Uh, totally. Totally agreed. Let's just keep ignoring his question about Aaron Nola. Nola? Yeah, yeah I mean... I think it'd be funny. The, the whole so show, let's not answer it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> like, he, he threw eight innings the other night, got 11 strikeouts, 10 strikeouts. What did he get? But it's not like he hasn't been good before. He was he was great in 2018. He was an absolute ace in 2018. Yeah. And then in 2019, he really fell off in every way. Looked bad. On maybe the Gabe Kapler too. messed him up. I mean, maybe. It's possible. Who was their pitching coach last year? It's his age 27 season this year. So that's, you know, the, the people seem to think that there makes there's some value there. But against Atlanta, he goes eight innings, gives up two hits, one run, one home run, one walk, and ten strikeouts. Man, that's heavy. Oh, here's what. Brian Price is the pitching coach for the Phillies. Took on the Yankees on the fifth. Pitches six innings, three hits, one run, one home run, 12 strikeouts against the Yankees. I don't know. I'm buying Aaron Nola, folks. Brian Price was, I believe, the Reds pitching coach back in, like, 2012. No, wait. was Brian, Brian Price was the Reds manager? Who was he the pitching coach for back in the day? He was the amazing. He, he was, like, one of those guys. He was, oh, Brian Price is the pitching coach. That's why they're awesome. He was the Reds pitching coach before he got promoted to being the manager. Was that, maybe that was it. That was his, oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I was wrong. It's not the Yankees. Yeah, he's an interesting guy, that Brian Price. Now. Yeah, he was a really good pitching coach, and now he's the Phillies pitching coach. So maybe this isn't a coincidence that Brian Price is their pitching coach. Maybe. Maybe that's it. But I, I, I'm just wondering if his if – if his velocity is up, if you know, if his spin, where his spin rate is, like how, what has changed? I think you're just testing DVR now, man. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, he's throwing more changeups, and the changeups a good pitch for him. Like the changeup was really good for him. He used it only about 18 percent of the time last year. He's throwing mm-hmm. it 30 percent of the time. That's the year, thing that that's where pitchers are starting to get smarter. We're seeing that yeah. with Dylan Bundy. We're seeing that with here with Aaron Nola. Like you know, they they're, they're getting the same stats that we're able to look at, right? And they're like, oh, if I. Uh, if I did, if I do it this way, it's uh, you know, it's this, and if I do it that way, it's it's that. You know, if I if I pit, if I throw this pitch that is hard to hit, then they don't hit it. So I'm not going to throw the pitch that is easily hit. And I think that's part of the change. I think there's one one other like old school baseball thought that we've talked about how when we played little league years ago, right? We probably all had coaches who said, "Take a nice level swing." Like, you don't actually want a level swing. You want to try and launch the ball, right? Like, that's obviously changed. But the pitching equivalent for me was always establish the fastball. It's like, why? Why would you throw a straight pitch that someone can just crush at you and you can throw other stuff? You throw stuff that moves. When it all looks the same, especially, I think that is part of the evolution of pitching overall, right? You have 
teams and organizations and players who are willing to attack hitters without the conventional, I got to throw the fastball 50, 60, 70% of the time. Like those days are over. And the pitchers who've embraced that, I think they have a much better chance of maximizing strikeouts and, and really just avoiding hard contact too. Like both of those things are legitimate skills. And think about Hinjin Ryu and how much you liked him early last season, Ian. Like he's not working with premium velocity, he doesn't throw a lot of fastballs. He's a great example of a guy that just mixes everything so well that hitters just never quite know what's coming. And I think looking for, yeah, Dylan Bundy is a good example of this. Nola's currently a good example of this. The guys who are trying to split up three or four pitches almost evenly, they're doing a really good job of keeping hitters guessing. Keeping hitters guessing is amazing. Johnny Cueto, watching Cueto, we actually, we haven't done our show since then. Watching Johnny Cueto against the Dodgers last week was tragic. <laughs> it was freaking tragic. He was pitching the game of his life, or at least in the last couple of years, throwing a no-hitter against the Dodgers, gets through five, uh, top of the six, and I'm just holding out for a quality start for Tout Wars, right? I mean, that's all I want. Give him the quality start and the win. High fly ball left field, can of corn. I think that's what they call it. Can of corn, high fly ball, Hunter Pence cannot see the ball. Just doesn't see it. Lands behind him. Missed it by a lot. A that wasn't behind him. That was like yards. That was like a football field oh my behind God. him. It was, it was, it was, that was so painful. And then here's what I, I would love to teach Major League Baseball players this because the same thing I teach my Little League kids. Bad things are going to happen, period. It's baseball. Bad things are going to happen. It's how you recover from those moments that will decide how you do. Period. And Cueto just couldn't couldn't shake it. And Gabe Kapler, as the rookie manager on that team, was not a stabilizing force in that situation. So he walks the next guy and then uh, Justin Turner and then gives up a bloop single and then Justin Turner gives a hits a three run bomb five to four and the, he goes from having a no hitter to giving up four runs in like a that and I was just like come on man but he ends up winning the game which was good but that's a perfect example of what you were saying to VR about guys who are mixing up their pitches in that way it's very Trevor Bowery of you DVR uh, Trevor Bauer dude come on I had him in a dynasty league. Nobody wanted him. I didn't want to trade him because I was like, can't trade him at this value. You know, that's it's amazing. If you think about it, Trevor Bauer in 2018, Aaron Nola 2018, 2019, they struggled. They come back in 2020. It's that whole mindset in the offseason. I'm telling you, it matters. And you're just like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to prove who I am. Because if Trevor Bauer came back and gave another stinker, then that's who Trevor Bauer was. And Bauer is establishing himself as an absolute ace in this game. By the way, here's a weird thing on Bauer. His spin rate is up over 300 RPMs on his fastball. It, he's down a little more than a mile per hour in velocity, but more spin, and he's throwing that pitch more. Like He's going like the opposite direction. The rest of the league kind of working to get away from fastballs, and he's like, no, nah, I'm just going to add spin and throw mine more. Speaking of aces, can, can I just say something? It's not on the rundown, but I got to say well, this. I don't think we've done anything on the rundown yet. Garrett Cole is a cheating bastard, man. Oh, how dare you speak against the Yankee? A cheating, if you, did you see this little thing that I saw on Twitter where it was a close-up of him going to his cap? First, he goes to his ear, gets a little sweat. Then he goes to the front of his cap and gets pine tar off of the front of his cap after he's wet his fingers, yeah? He wets his fingers, goes to the front of his cap. His fingers get stuck on the top of his cap. And then he pulls them (laughs) off. Somebody, like, does a close-up on the gif on it. Man, 
If that's the, his cap should be checked before every freaking game. He has no right to do that. If that is an illegal substance, he should be suspended for 20 games and acknowledged for the cheater. So he comes from the Astros and he's a cheater there and he comes to the Yankees and he's a cheater here. Everything should be questioned. How dare you do that? Now, if you tell me, oh, that's actually illegal. He's allowed to have it on his phone. Fine, but it shouldn't be because he is putting a foreign substance. He was Gaylord Perry up there doing that. For the kids, if you don't know who Gaylord Perry is, go to YouTube. It's a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> but if you go to your ear to get the sweat and then go to your cap and your fingers get stuck, you're cheating, you punk. Punk. Is it not cheating if your fingers don't get stuck to the cap and you still have the pine tar? I caught you. Execution. You know, people people say to me, people say, well, you better, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I don't know why I'm doing that. I shouldn't make people sound like that. But people are like, well, if you're going to be so hard on the Astros, if the Yankees are cheaters too, what are you going to do? Well, this is what I do. Cheat and prick. Don't cheat. You, you're, you're better than everybody. You don't need to cheat. Garrett Cole. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm willing to say I'm wrong and I apologize and say, all right, well, I guess he's legal. It's so you're allowed to do that. But it didn't look legal to me. It looked like he was cheating this is bizarro ian no it's not it's not bizarro ian i i this is ian man third person talking to third person whatever that's a that's a that's a a punk play on my part i'll call myself out on that but no this this is come on now no if you cheat i said this and i mean it if you're a yankee and you're cheating you're as bad as the astros you're worse you're worse he was an astro I know. Well, yeah, yeah I'm trying to. How about that, but, huh? but now he's a Yankee. Uh, did you guys see? Did you guys see the pine tar? Did you see his fingers stick or no? I missed that one. I've been trying to lay off Twitter. DVR, did you see it? I didn't see it, but there are so many guys using some kind of foreign substance. If you look at caps, either the bill of the cap, the back of the cap, the belt, it, the side of the ear, the whatever. Like, there's so many places you can have whatever it is you want to get a grip. It's usually pine tar. I think Trevor Bauer has been among people who've spoken out about this and how it impacts spin. It increases it. Yeah. I, I, Trevor Bauer was the guy who... known thing. Most guys do that. A lot of guys do this. I don't know if most do it, but a lot of guys do this. I think it's just kind of accepted. Everyone just looks the other way and doesn't call anybody out on it because they know that their guy who's going to take the ball in the next inning probably is doing something similar. Trevor Bauer was trashing the Astros before yeah. the, the trash can thing, way before the trash can thing. Talking about how they used foreign substances to get better spin rate on their balls. And if that's why they go from being a Pittsburgh Pirate and being kind of like a top 40 pitcher and then going to the Houston Astros and being a top five to top one pitcher and then use that to make $400 million and come to the Yankees, that needs to be checked, man. He His, his cap should be checked. If you're going to cheat, do it better than that because you just got caught. Now, again... I could be wrong, and it could be totally legal, but it didn't. It, if that's legal, it shouldn't be. Is what I'm saying. I like it. I'm not saying. Like I'm hearing you saying. go anti-Yankees, it's fun. What's otherwise? I'd be. You, know, you called me a homer earlier. I don't no, think I would, I'm a I homer. would never. Come on. No, you did. You're right. I mean, I'm a huge Yankee fan, but no, there's no you. No, you run the ball out. You don't cheat. You respect yourself, your teammates, your opponents, and the umpire. You play the game the right way, or you're going to get called out. At least by. Who cares? But by me, I'm going to call you out. All right. Yeah. Should we move Listen. on? What should we do? Yeah, let's move on. on. That's it. Move on. Yeah. All right. The first thing on our uh, rundown for today. Is <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Almost segue. Um, we'll talk about Matheny. I don't think we're going to get to our side bets. Uh, DVR, I'll jam in Monty Harrison. But uh, but first, we'd like to welcome a new sponsor to the show, the good folks at Indochino. Take it away. 
And we're back. Ian, uh, have you ever had a custom suit made? You seem like the kind of guy who might. Yeah, I'm not the kind of guy that might. I'm the kind of guy that just hates going to the tailor. Marty Decker. So. Marty Decker. Marty would. Decker. Yeah, Marty Decker definitely would. He'd be all over that. Yeah. He'd, he'd be super duper excited. Um, I love Marty Decker. That might have been my favorite character ever. It's just Seriously. such a great name to say over and over. Dude, he was the best. He yeah. was such a badass, that guy. he was. That was a fun character because he was like funny as hell. They, they wrote him so funny, but then he would be like a badass. Like he'd get in somebody's face. Like he, he was a lot. That was a well-written character. It was. I'll say this. By far my most fun role that I ever played. More fun than Washington, for sure. Well, he's not Washington. Guy, you know, he's very well, serious. Well, no, he's pretty, he's very, very serious. Jesus, he smiled like twice the whole damn show. Mike Matheny. Speaking of leaders, here it comes, guys. I think I got the answer as to why Mike Matheny stinks. When he walks out of the dugout to replace a pitcher, he looks like a dad who's walking out to take care of his son, and he's disappointed in him. He's like, all right, I got to take you out. I kind of, it looks like I got to take you out now. It's a slow walk with a head shake. You look at the really good managers. They get out there, they're like, yo, good job out there. You did your best. Thank you for what you did. Let's move it on to the next guy. Matheny's always like, look, I know you don't want me to take you out, but I think I got to take you out, so I'm going to take you out. Sorry about that, pal. And it's like, you're a loser, dude. That's why St. Louis fans didn't like you. I saw it. I was like, oh, that's what? That's it? That's it? That's the... That's why Matheny is is not good because he does not set a proper tone. He does not set a proper tone for his team. The, the, the you know speaking of Washington, Washington was a great leader and his whole army was behind him. Matheny is not a good leader. Period. You know I keep thinking of DVR Midwestern guy uh, and I associate you with St. Louis, but you're a Milwaukee guy, so you hate St. Louis. So did you hate Matheny for all those years? No, actually, I, I kind of had the other view in that I thought he was a, a bad enough tactical manager to bring down their team. I thought he was actually good as the Cardinals manager, as a fan of a different team in the division. Yep. I kind of wanted him to stay forever. Sure. I get that. Cardinals are two and three. <laughs> How ridiculous is that? Anyway, sorry. Yeah, man. they're going to play like 10 doubleheaders. It's, it's insane. They may make the playoffs. The players are going to be fun. Players are going to feel like WBC. Anyway, that's what everyone watch Mike Matheny. Please watch him take out a pitcher and watch him slowly lumber his way, shaking his head like, oh, boys, sorry, I got to take you out. It's not the way to do it. It ain't 1942. I mean, there's got to be something great about Mike Matheny if he's managing a team again. And the, the Royals are actually a pretty smart front office. They've made some shrewd moves over the years. Like, there's got to be something there that people love about Mike Matheny. Yeah, but it's like saying an act. It's very much like an actor who's on one TV show, and they're like, "Oh, he he was on that show. He was one of the stars of that show. Let's put him on this show." And it's like, "Yeah, but he wasn't very good on that show, and now he's not going to be very good on this show." You know, I have a philosophical question about hiring a manager. Let's do it. I'm all about this. Option A: You hire a manager who's had the job before. Option B: You hire someone who has not been a major league manager before. Generally speaking, which, which path is the better way to go as a front office to fill that vacancy? I would argue for, as, as a front office overall, I would lean towards someone who has had the job before. That's where I would lean. Me too. But I, I would also be looking for, you know, Aaron Boone. <laughs> Aaron Boone is freaking good, man. He's a really good manager. A manager. You're managing humans. You're managing emotions. I always go back to Aaron Boone going out. And that very famous John Boy clip where the hot mic and he's like, you know, I feel bad. For, you know, he's like, we're freaking savages in the box. Remember that? We're savages in the box. And he goes out and it looks like he's tearing the umpire a new one. But what he's really saying to him is, come on now. 
I like you so much and you're just not doing your job as well as you could be. My guys are the best. My guys are the best. You know, if the if, if there was no Mike, it looked like he was saying, your mother is the worst. I hate you and your family. You know, because that's what it looks like because the crowd's going crazy, but the mic is hot so you can hear it. That's the way you manage humans. You got to be able to manage humans. And, and so there's an example. But then you look at somebody like Joe Girardi, had to go to Miami, to the Marlins, struggle there sort of get 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 some of the stuff out of him and then he came to the Yankees and did a fine job. So, that's that's my my POV. Rick Renteria is doing a great job with the White Sox after getting he should have never really been fired by the Cubs. Yeah. Like see like he he was kind of a victim of the oh the cool manager who's done the job before is available so now we're just going to fire the guy that we thought was a good hire like a year ago. Like that was that was, that was a BS firing. That was really bad when that yeah. happened. I'm that glad he landed nasty. Somewhere. He landed across the street. Right. I mean, you didn't even have to move, apparently. So, I mean, DVR, what do you think? I mean, Nando and I are both leaning towards somebody who's already had the job before. I mean, there's obviously pros and cons to both sides, right? But I think about some of my favorite managers in the game right now. Craig Council, first-time manager in Milwaukee. Yep. Rocco Baldelli, first-time manager in Minnesota. Yep. Boone, who you just mentioned, first-time manager with the Yankees. And people gave the Yankees crap for hiring a guy right out of the broadcast booth, too, with no experience. I think it can cut both ways. I think the situation maybe dictates going a little bit different, right? I mean, like Houston bringing in Dusty Baker. I think we all kind of felt bad that Dusty's probably last managerial opportunity was coming in to sort of clean up a mess that he did not create. Sure. Um, you know, Tito maybe as, as a guy that got another chance in Cleveland, that sort of makes sense. I think there's sort of like the, the mid-pack managers – like, Matheny should not have got another chance. Nope. That's really, really clear to me. Like, that guy did not deserve Brad another Brad Osmus should not have gotten another chance. Right. If, if Bob Melvin leaves the A's at some point, Absolutely, he's the kind of guy that should be hired again. Absolutely. Bruce Bochy should be hired again. But look, like Kevin Cash, great first-time manager. The Locks, Davey Martinez, won a World Series pretty early on <laughs> in being a manager, right? Ian was not a fan. Jace Tingler looks like a good manager. Oh, that's I, so great, DVR. I think, I think it's one of those positions where the experience in being a manager before doesn't really help you as much as teams once thought it did. Yeah. And I think the proof is coming in this new wave of managers who do what the front office optimally wants, but also manage personalities really well. Like I, I think changed my mind. You're, you're seeing that. You're seeing a good mix of that. Like the new school mindset with the ability to be more relatable to the players. Jeez, I also think mind. part of that, do you guys think that they've shortened up the duration of time it takes for someone to become a manager after they stop playing? Because it seems like yeah, young. when I was a kid, managers were like 80 years old. So they stopped playing 50 years ago, and they spent five years at each of the six minor league levels before becoming major league bench coaches and eventually being hired as managers, which is just an absurdly long path, right? I think the, the younger manager is also a big part of this change. But that's also because we've had younger front offices over the course of the last number of years, yeah, right? I mean, we're seeing a, we're seeing a shift. They're not puppets. Come on now. They're not puppets. Puppets. These guys aren't puppets. Analytics no, puppets. No, but they, they, they accept analytics, right? So the old school guys are like, well, I just go, you know, they kind of do it my way. It was like, I just go by what I see. <laughs> I'm slamming myself as we go. Um, but the, the newer guys, are they're going by analytics, and they should be going by analytics. And you want the younger guys. I, I actually have changed my mind. I think you really want, it's an exception when you take somebody who's already been in that spot before. Otherwise, find the best young guy that can manage humans. That's the part that's most important. Like who can take care of that clubhouse? It's not Earl Weaver, Billy Martin days where it's like keep the five guys who hate you away from 
the five guys who aren't sure about you. Right. That was what it was then. Now it's really like you got to deal with people like Dave Roberts is a wonderful manager. Tactically, is he the best? Apparently in the playoffs, he wasn't so great, but he really knows how to take care of a clubhouse, especially that kind of clubhouse. And Chad Pinder, apparently just I'm going to put this out there. Chad Pinder is going to be a manager one day. He's not a very good baseball player. Oh, That's very specific. Well, I read an article. <laughs> I read an article. Got on the phone. I spoke to a guy. Yeah, talk to Pinder. Yeah, no, but Pinder, he he's got all these young players in Oakland, and they all kind of cozy up to him, like David Ross. Look, like John Lester and David Ross. The manager matters, dude. David Ross going back into that dugout was the reason why. And, and I got so many things wrong. Craig Kimbrell, I'm going to raise my hands twice. But John Lester, Ian released Ke- Craig Kimbrell. I did. Well, yeah, it's 60 game season. That's it. I didn't have space. That was space an angry for it. release. It wasn't angry. It was it was a all right, I picked up Marco Gonzalez cuz I'm sort of buying in on the idea of him being a SP5 and he was on the wire and I and I had to drop somebody so I dropped Kimbrel. And yeah, he's yes, not no I, one picked him up, right? He's no, still out there. No, no one's going to pick him up. He's he's trash. That was there's a terrible take by myself. Terrible, horrible. But Lester uh, Was it really though? I mean, Craig Kimbrel was a consensus top. No. Eight. No, I would say that with you and Derek Van Riper, you you had him low in your rankings, and I fought you on that. Derek Van Riper said, Craig Kimbrell, Ian, I don't know. And Glenn Colton just thought that it was like, Ian, I don't know what you're seeing in Craig Kimbrell, but maybe I should give him another look. And then about two weeks in, calls me back and goes, you know, Ian, I was right on Craig Kimbrell. So, you know, I, I was kind of on my own island on that one. But the point is that David Ross, as a manager, is changing the experience for John Lester and why he's a top Five pitcher in the National League right now in Dynasty League sell. Is he? Yeah, I think I mean, so. Is David Ross still going to be the manager? And doesn't that just kind of poke holes in your... Well, David Ross is around, made John Lester awesome again, and believe in him now? Yeah, but he's going to eventually get buy over. Buy low? Him. Isn't he buy low, Ian? If you're competing, he's definitely a buy low. But if, if you're not competing and you have him, as I do in one league, where he's the 24th ranked player in baseball with a 1.06 ERA, a .65 whip, two wins, and nine strikeouts... I'd get something for him if I could. Uh, uh, I do want to get to DVR's uh, Monte Harrison uh, conundrum, I guess you'd call it. I mean, we touched on it a little bit with Joe Adele, actually. But, uh, oh, DVR, you, you wrote this. You go ahead and lead us on this. Yeah, I guess the question is, when do you really start worrying about a young player debuting? Adele fits into this group as well. Monty Harrison's got 11 strikeouts and 20 plate appearances so far. It's only seven games. But you Bye. have to wonder, like, how patient are the Marlins going to be as they get healthy, right? I mean, are they going to keep rolling him out there if he's striking out 35-40% of the time. And then there's even a guy in Colorado I I really like, Sam Hilliard. He's been sitting a little more than I expected. They saw five straight lefties, though, so that was part of it. So that's kind of part of the the Chris Owings is playing more thing, too. At least I hope that's all it is. But he's not doing a lot of damage when he plays. A 179-258-321 line so far for Hilliard. So, I mean, in a longer season, patience with both would definitely make sense even if you were worried in a season that's almost a quarter of the way done or is actually a little more than a quarter of the way done for some teams, when do you think about letting these guys go in redraft leagues? Uh, you no, gotta, let them go. Yeah, this is football. Right? It's only, yeah, it's football. That's what it's like. That's what the Kimbrel choice was. It was like, whatever I thought is wrong, move on. Totally move on. Uh, but a great buying opportunity in Dynasty Leagues. All the way around. Great opportunity. I, I, I do want to say this. Right now is the time. I said this in the off season. If we had a short season, it's a great opportunity to make your team better in dynasty leagues because there are teams that are competing for a championship right now 
if you're middle pack or even high middle pack, now is the time to move players and make a windfall. Because everyone else is like playing to win. You can play for 2021 through 2028. You know, I had said that before the season, but now I'm kind of like, I think I want to play to win. Great. Especially in a money money league. Like I wanna like I wanna get some. Let's go. Okay, but like at the same time, in a dynasty league, you can win a season even if you don't finish in the money. Like that's what you gotta remember. Like dynasty you mean, like, quote unquote win a season? Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah. you you if you accrue as much value as you possibly can in a season, you're setting yourself up for the next ten years. And that's very valuable. Make yourself younger. I traded in the last week. I've traded Aroldis Chapman, Paul Goldschmidt, Starling Marte, um, Blake Snell, and Whit Merrifield. And other than Snell, they're all over. 30. Oh, I see. DVR. This is he was he was just segueing into his number eight. <laughs> That's what this was. <laughs> no, but what I'm go what ahead, Ian. Talk about your trades. No, I'm not going to talk about him. Can't <laughs> talk about. It. Can't go into <laughs> him. No, but the point is, I would be looking for Monty Harrison. I would be looking at Sam Hilliard. I would be looking at Joe Adele right now. Now's the time to buy Joe Adele, right? Because you got the. the there's no, no better in time. In a dynasty league, no one's going to sell him. Absolutely wrong. Yes, they no, will. Not not cheap. Yeah, cheaper certainly than you've seen him in a year and a half. No way. Absolutely. The, the most value a, 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 a prospect has is the day he gets called up. The day he's called up before he plays his first game. If in his first game he hits a home run, then that's the highest value he'll ever have. Forever. Okay? The lowest value that one of these top prospects will have is a guy like Joe Adele or Monty Harrison. I'm putting Harrison in the same grouping as Adele. But after a week of struggle, it's like, oh. Because there's always this Jose Fernandez, Mike Trout thing in our heads. Like, well, even Trout struggled in his first couple of weeks. But Jose Fernandez came up and just destroyed everybody from, from the jump. So we kind of think that's what rookies might do. And that's why they're so valued. But then when they come up and they struggle, I'm telling you, their value drops. But he's struggling, but he's struggling in a weird season. Where I'm telling uh, you a team has played five games. I'm telling you, if Joe Adele's on a team that's trying to win, now's the time to go get him. You could well, give you, you can give Starling Marte. Movie. You can give Starling Marte right now, you could give Starling Marte, Paul Goldschmidt, Kirby Yates, and you can get Joe Adele right now. For a you team want, that's competing. No, no one's gonna trade Joe Adele for Kirby Yates. No, 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 no. But with Marte and Goldschmidt. Oh, you're saying that's the package to get Joe Adele? That's not cheap. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. A 31-year-old outfielder, a 32-year-old, almost 33-year-old first baseman, and a closer. In a Dynasty League, a closer. If we've learned anything from this season, closers in Dynasty Leagues are they are just on the wire every week. You can get them. There's a new one every week, and you can trade I don't for know if them. Kirby Yates is the right one. Well, that's the one I I think people are down on Kirby Yates. Okay. But the point is that, like, before, Joe, Joe, he'll be back tonight. But Joe Adele, the point is that Joe Adele last week, before he got called up, you weren't getting him for Goldschmidt, Marte, and Yates. No way. They'd be like, no way. But now that he looks like he's not going to be a success this year in 2020, he does not look like he's going to be a game changer in 2020. He's not going to help you win a league, is my guess. Yeah, 2020. But why why would you give up your entire future because, because of a short, weird season. Like, I, I think a lot of you people just said, like, you just said that you just said, I kind of want to win now. It's money. I'm going to be in the money. Yeah. But I'm not trading Joe Adele for that. I still, okay. for, for me, if I'm, a, if I got Joe Adele on one of my teams, mm-hmm. I'm still thinking he's either going to turn it around or this is a weird season. He wasn't ready. And they brought him up cool. too early and, and I'll just would, wait till next year. Cause Mike Trout would, did that. That would be the wise choice. 
And what I'm telling you is now is a time where you can get people to make emotional trades. And that's what you're trying to do in Dynasty Baseball is you want people to make trades from emotion. You want them to make a trade because they want something. They, they're, they're trying to get something. That's when you can get the most value. That's why this time right now, I always talk about the end of April, beginning of May, right? Like right there at the crux of when the season's like, yeah, I'm not going to win or, oh, I am going to win. I have a chance. That's when trades happen. We're there now. Now's the time to make those trades and offers in Dynasty Leagues. Make yourself better for the future. Unless you're going to win. And if you're going to win, don't do it. But if you're not going to win... I'm not going to, this league that I joined this past year, I joined it with another owner. That team wasn't going to win. It wasn't going to win this year. So good. Dr. Thomas Scott? Uh, no, that team, oh, that team is a disaster. Wow. Yeah, yeah we won last year and we tried to hold it on for this year. It's, it's just not going to happen. So I'll be putting something on the block for that. That's a keeper league. Slightly different, but similar idea. Now's the time. Our official pediatrician. I like that guy. He's great. Yes, he's a good, good, good fella. Great fella. Uh... So, I think we should wrap it up. We got pretty much everything. Abraham Toro can wait until next week. We'll see. What about Madison Bumgarner to the DL? Can we talk about that real quick? That's up to DVR. Sure. All right. It's kind of a tepid. Sure. The side bet sheet. Yeah. Because we, I'll tell you something. When the guy's throwing eighty six, he's not going to get nine strikeouts per nine. He's got 6.8. I believe the, <laughs> the bet was 8.3. Was it 8.5? I think it was 8.5. I don't know, it was 8.5. It was 8.5. You know, and I remember when we were doing GDG, GDD draft, um, we we were like, huh, I, I got him for six bucks. Dropped him this week too in GDD because it just wasn't, it's a really small roster. Like you got to, you got to turn that roster as much as you can. It's a daily league too with twice a week pickups. Um, Bumgarner just looks done. He looks like well, toast. He's hurt. I mean, he's hurt. You think? DVR, is he done? Probably, yeah. Unless he's part of this wave of pitchers who just wasn't right coming into the season and can actually get those three lost ticks on the fastball back in the future. But I don't see how it works for him throwing 86, 87. A couple of under-the-radar guys that I just want to point out for everybody. Austin Slater in San Francisco is we, – we, he was hot last year for a couple of weeks. Or maybe it was the year before. He's come up. He's playing every day in right field. He's hitting home runs. But here's what's shocking. He's stealing bases. He's stolen five bases in the last week. So if you're in anywhere, I would grab Austin Slater. Uh, we talked last week about Dylan Moore. Um, Nando and I both picked him up in our AL onlys the prior Sunday. He is now solidified in that job in right field or somewhere yeah. on the field. I mean, he's just he's. He's a dominant. He he's a dominant fantasy player right now. I don't know if that'll hold, but he's going to run, um, and he's gonna he's gonna hit home runs. I mean, he just hit a bomb last night again. And then uh, there was one more guy I wanted to bring up. Oh, Josh Stomont. I just want to just say, Josh Stomont. Just long term, stick him in your minors in dynasty leagues. Pick up Josh Stomont in Kansas City. He's just just ridiculous stuff. Alec Lewis loved him preseason, and he actually hammered home the point. He wrote an article about the bullpen. And I wrote to him right after I'd done my relief pitcher rankings, like right after it had published. And uh, I must have just like gone over to MLB and checked some stuff out. And uh, and he had a couple names in there, but he like because I was asking about this guy, this guy. And he's like, actually, Stomont's the one, man. Stomont's going to be nasty. Yeah, he is so, nasty. Guys throwing a hundred and one with the hook. I mean, he he. Oof. DVR, have you seen Stomont? Have you watched him pitch? Yeah, I saw him last year. I think down the stretch, and he's a guy that's been on the radar from. Fall League reports that my friend Bernie Pleskov was writing a few years ago because of the my velocity friends. and 
the well the issue has always been the command uh, yep. control yeah yep. like he doesn't doesn't keep the walks in check at all he never has but he's, he's doing been it better now. he's doing it he's now. Been better in little bits of these two seasons with the royals now under five walks per nine which for him he's been above six at every stop in the minors uh, they were trying to develop him as a starter before though too so Oof. i think working yeah, no, as a reliever work we're seeing that bump right and i think we've seen i'm trying to think of a good reliever who always walked a bunch of guys switched to the relief role cut it enough to be good and, and Dylan Batances comes to mind as a guy that as a prospect and they're trying to develop him as a starter walk rate was off the charts high right right yeah put him in the bullpen brings it down a little bit I mean he started at a better baseline in the minors than Stomont but same sort of improvement and look Stomont could easily close he has the stuff to do it absolutely yeah the fr- by the way my Matheny frustration this is actually <laughs> something he's doing right He's actually managing the bullpen the way you should manage a bullpen, which I didn't think he could do. So I have to give him a little bit of credit for that, which I really don't want to do. But it's maddening for fantasy players to deal with that. Yeah, Rosenthal's got that job for now. But I'm saying in 2021, Josh Stoneman's got that job. That's what I'm saying. I mean, look, seven and two-thirds, eight appearances. Not that many, but he's only been he's been in eight games so far. Seven and two-thirds, uh, 1.17 ERA. That's fine. 1.30 whip. That's what you're talking about. 14 strikeouts. 14 you know what this strikeouts. is? It, it, it's like the James Karinchak situation mm-hmm. in Cleveland. Very similar. Just a guy that just has ridiculous stuff and just needs the opportunity. And Absolutely. Both, but he's only got both have the 27 innings under his belt in the majors, which means that you can stash him in Dynasty Leagues. Go get Josh Stomont. It's called I agree with this stuff. In this season, these guys, I agree with you here, in terms of like this, this like I would discount Joe Adele, but I would pay attention to this middle reliever stuff. Yeah, that it's I'm on board with. Super fun. Another under the radar guy, Franklin Killame. I don't know if we talked about him last week on the show. I don't remember that we did. I watched him pitch four innings last week. He got sent back down. He was a former prospect with the Phillies. He's up with the Mets. I can see Killame. If I'm in a, just keep your eye out if Killame is being called up back to the team. I just saw some nasty stuff out of him. Nasty. Anymore? Uh, Dylan Moore. Boom, boom, boom. Stomont. No, that's it. That's it for this right. week. All right. Good show. Good, Good job. Stuff. Whoa, that that Good was louder stuff. than I thought it was going to be. Uh, oh, wait. I want to <laughs> open my thing. And what is our... What is I'm our? sorry, man. You used uh, the time for baseball wisely. People Hold on. That. I'm making... I'm opening... Oh, there's there's stuff in here, guys. There's stuff. Oh, there's... there's. I think there's a bottle. Is there... Con unboxing. Oh, my goodness gracious me. Oh, my goodness gracious me. Now, here's the problem. You're going to spoil this for DVR. His arrives today, according to USPS. I don't even want to say what this is. Dot com. But it's a... Can I? I got it. It's a rhubarb liqueur, baby. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, I'm very excited. But then there's also uh, only the drink. Okay. And then open very carefully. Hold on. I'm going to do this. I'm going to open very carefully. It's a good drink, by the way. Shout out to Clayton Distillery for the rhubarb phrase. Open very carefully. Best enjoyed over ice. Best enjoyed over... Oh, my God! It's a Fauci! (laughs) It's a Fauci! Ah! We should have put the video on for that. Oh. Yeah. Dude, that's how I owe you like $6,000. No, you don't owe me anything, man. That card cost me $4.99. Oh, my God. What a four ninety nine, not bad, dude. Right. And you, so, thank you. No, no, this is awesome. This goes no. right 
next to that's right there, dude. He's right here. He'll be here every week. That is a terrible throw. Having met him, <laughs> having met him once and spent a day hanging out with that guy. Uh, if I ever do meet him again, I'm going to have to talk to him about that. But I will get him to sign the card. He will sign that card, and then it will yeah. be worth quite a bit. And then, and then I'm going to have to send it back to you so you can sell it for tens of thousands. No, I'm done. I, my eBay days are over. I sold two, and then the third one. It was just like a ball of stress trying to sell the third one. So I'm just like, screw it. But the prices went down on it. The prices went down. I haven't even checked. I think it's down to like eighty. Uh, maybe it's less. Dude. What a nice gift. That's a lovely box. Oh, man. Thank you so much. It's nice, right? I don't even know ah, what came in that box. It was the rhubarb and the and the, and the, the Oh, Fauci. I thought you meant the actual, the literal box. It was a nice shape for everything. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you. And so, uh, hashtag uh, rhubarb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you've got questions. If you've got questions, we've got answers. Please do put it in. I mean, you guys do send us lovely messages on Twitter. And let us know if you're liking the show and if you want us to stop talking about everything but baseball. But that's kind of what we do. Because someone enjoy. did. Yes, they did. Yeah. They did. But you know what? It's kind Ian of Ian reads do. those reviews. Actually, I don't until you brought it up right before the show. <laughs> like, no, actually, you cannot. As an actor, you should not be reading reviews, man. Don't be reading right. reviews till the show closes. Just don't do it. So don't do mess it. you up. It'll mess you up. I got some stories. Anyway, great well, fun. We'll Thank we'll you, save guys. It for next, save it for next episode. We got to go. Yeah. Uh, for the man who never met a segue, he didn't like Ian Cobb. Goodbye, my friend. Wait, what are we talking about? For the author of Monty and Me, a heartwarming novel about a young man who strikes out a lot, Derek Van Riper. Yeah, he's going to be fine. <laughs> I'm not a Fino. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Uh, hopefully the Cardinals have played more than five games by then. Bye. Good talk. Good talk. <laughs>